Hey folks, how's it going? It's uh, Chris, Mr. Money Fingers Hat at here, aka Michael Fury. And uh, as promised, I'm actually doing multiple things at once, as you can see. I am uh, going to be doing a walkthrough of the new sales video script for our new program called The Language of Lust. I think the last time I did one of these was back when we did The Language of Desire, uh, which was a phenomenally successful launch. That product is still actually our best-selling thing uh, every single day. Lots of affiliates still making a ton of money on it. And The Language of Lust is basically the spiritual successor to The Language of Desire. Uh, after that program went through, we did something like $550,000 worth of sales our first week. It did something like a million two in the first month or something like that. And it's done, I don't even know how many millions of dollars of sales for affiliates since then, back in uh, October. But after that, we said to ourselves, hey, what would be a great thing to follow this up with? And we also, uh, Colleen, um, who is our, Colleen Taylor, who's our affiliate manager, and I were talking and saying, hey, it's so hard to find uh, good, high-converting men's offers these days. On the women's side of things, there's some good stuff out there. There's some high-quality products uh, from some good friends and affiliates of ours that we really like promoting, that always do good numbers for us, that always make us good money. But it seems like, especially over the last year or two years, the number of high converting men's offers has really dropped off a cliff. I can kind of count them on one hand, honestly. Um, and so in this video, I'm going to walk through the script for the um, language of lust. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we're doing in here that's a little different than what you might see in your typical male-focused uh, VSL for the dating niche. You know, there's a lot of pickup stuff out there and things like that. I'm going to say right now, um, personally, I think the, the age of selling pickup is kind of dead. I think the idea of selling that concept is really overplayed at this point. You know, Neil Strauss's book, The Game, came out how many years ago now? I know a lot of folks got into business, got into this business because of that book. But honestly, I don't think anybody wants to be a pickup artist anymore. And uh, I found some success on our own list and the things we do by kind of pushing away from pickup artists, making pickup artists kind of, you know, not the, quite the enemy, but kind of a subject of some level of disdain. Anyway, so uh, hopefully if you're an affiliate of ours, uh, you will be getting something really valuable out of this video. I actually recommend that maybe you go check out the Language of Desire video I did in October as well. You know, before we get started, I just want to say there's a um, little comment here from my friend Julian Fox, great copywriter, and one of the few guys who really makes really high-converting offers in the men's niche. He writes some crazy stuff. Uh, and Julian says, I just read the script for this offer. It's fucking sick. Kind of jealous right now, Chris. Kind of jealous. So from somebody like Julian who actually knows what the hell he's doing, that feels pretty good. Also had some other folks like David Garfinkel and some other great copywriters take a look at it. And um, we think we got a winner here. We're just, just starting to do testing now as I am recording this video. And I'll be talking about some of the split tests we'll be doing as we go through. So let me just get the script up on the screen here so you can see it. Um, first thing you see is this warning slide. Now I've been known to go on record in the past and say that having the warning slide can be a little bit overplayed. You know, there's been a lot of um, times that folks have seen the warning slide, like on the famous uh, Dow Badass video that did very well for quite a while before it finally got tired and got retired. Actually, I think it's still up. It just doesn't cover as well as it used to. You know, there was a lot of like, warning, you must watch this video now because it's going to come down soon. Warning, you must watch this video now because blah, blah, blah. And it usually had the really deep voice of the, uh, you know, movie announcer guy. Now, we decided to test having this warning video in this whole first um, 20 slides or so. Um, just because I thought I had a way to subvert that. 
you know, when I first started showing this video script around to a few people, including some of my students in my escape hatch course, which you might be hearing about in the not too distant future, it's kind of killing me doing it. Um, some folks said, Hey, Chris, I read that first slide. It says warning due to the highly polarizing nature of this presentation. It may be considered disturbing and extremely offensive to feminists, pickup artists, social justice warriors, and women haters. And uh, one friend of mine in particular said, Chris, how can something be offensive to both feminists, pickup artists, social justice warriors, and women haters? How could both feminists and women haters hate the same thing? And my response to him was, that's kind of the point. So what we're doing with this very first slide is just trying to get, be a little different than everybody else. I actually want folks to be a little bit confused when they first see and hear this warning, warning due to the highly polarizing nature of this presentation and be considered disturbing and extremely offensive to feminist pickup artists, social justice warriors, and women haters. We also, you may notice that we didn't say uh, these people are you know, pressuring us or trying to force us to take this video down. That's because A, that concept is really overplayed at this point, and B, uh, ClickBank has started to say, no, you can't do that anymore because so many folks have been saying that when it's not true in any kind of way. And one thing is, you know, there's a reason I don't really teach copywriting as a, a course, <laughs> generally speaking. I have a copywriting course I don't really sell very often. Uh, and that's because I'm so sick of people just doing the exact same thing that I do or the exact same thing that somebody else who's got a winner does. One thing I really try to teach folks in my Escape Hatch course is how to think for themselves and come up with their own stuff. So anyway, we're going to be testing having this slide, and then I'll show you the other alternate opening that we're going to be testing when we get to it as well. So from there it goes. You must watch this video right now or miss out on the greatest sexual opportunity for average regular men in over a thousand years. Hi, I'm Lawrence Lanoff. There's a picture of Lawrence. The actual production version has a somewhat better um, graphic version of that photo, but I like that picture of Lawrence, even though he's wearing a weird scarf in it. But by the end of this video, you'll join thousands of other men and women who call me the Darth Vader of Dirty Talk. Now, that particular phrase, the Darth Vader of Dirty Talk, I actually came up with that when I was writing swipe copy for this. One little tip I'll give you, something that I've started doing in the last several years and that I actually teach, is when you're trying to figure out the core concept, the idea, the theme of your letter, instead of just diving right in and going right for your sales video script, you should actually sit down and start writing your swipe copy and your banner copy. And that's how I come up with a lot of my better ideas these days. I've got one called The Salvation Diet that me and uh, Aaron Brabham, who works with Porter Stansberry and a few other folks are putting together right now. And it's uh, The Salvation Diet, What Would Jesus Eat? And that one came from me writing up some banners one day, randomly brainstorming and saying to myself, uh, hey, here's a banner. Why are Christians so fat or why Christians are so fat, right? And I was like, hey, it seems true to me that a lot of folks in America who are Christian are overweight. Turns out it is true. They're actually... 60% more likely to be obese than non-Christians are, kind of weird, or non-religious people are anyway. Um, but that Darth Vader dirty talk came out of that. So did some of the feminist nightmare stuff that you're going to see later in this video script and a few other things. And it goes on from there. And right here, right now, I'm going to let you in on a blistering secret about female lust, man-hating feminists, and sleazy pickup artists are terrified you'll find out. A secret that will immediately open a sexual buffet to you filled with variety, lust, and sweaty, amazing and intensity you thought women only faked in porn movies and will give you the power to make even the nicest most conservative and most innocent girl come and i hate that spelling of that i think we changed it for the production draft like a freight train on command and without even touching her now you'll notice that's actually kind of similar to what we um said for the language desire letter i believe the headline the uh control headline for that is you know how to make a man sexually addicted to you without even touching him that whole concept of not even touching him or her um 
we don't really talk about dirty talk much in this program. I do mention it in that one slide because I liked the Darth Vader dirty talk thing, though, again, we're going to test having that or not. But one big thing that we do with all of our programs is try to transform them from being just one simple thing. This is a dirty talk program. This is a texting program to being something bigger and more universal, to having a bigger idea, to make the idea of getting into the program be almost a social revolution in a way. And you'll see that as we go through more of the script. Then we go into, oh, and just so you don't make any excuses, the secret I'm revealing in about 15 seconds. Now that little piece of copy there is important because folks are sick as fuck of being told, I'm gonna tell you a secret in a little while. And, uh, but first I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this and you have to wait till the end of the video to get this and you have to do this. I hate that stuff. Um, I've said many, many times, instead of telling me, you're going to tell me something interesting, please just tell me something interesting. And I really believe that is a very, very important thing to do. Now that said, I do use stories and other things to kind of, uh, prime the pump so that these ideas and secrets that we give away are going to have more energy. But I like the idea of just being more specific here. 15 seconds. You know, there's a great thing from the impossible Kimmy Schmidt where she says you can do anything for 10 seconds. Excuse me. A good friend of mine is calling me and I forgot to turn off my phone and my Apple watch, which is still ringing. Everything's ringing. My, my iPad is even ringing as my friend Mason Rabinowitz calls me. And I don't even know how to say no to that. That's kind of crazy. Anyway, 15 seconds. The reason we said that is because, hey, it's coming up. It's going to happen very, very shortly. It's happening right now. And we're also couching that idea of here's how long you have to wait in uh, a big benefit. The secret I'm revealing in about 15 seconds will have gorgeous women clawing at your pants and ripping open your fly with their teeth, often two or three at a time, even if you are short, broke, fat, old or have a cock so small it looks like it belongs on a G.I. Joe action figure. It literally doesn't matter how repulsive to women you are, how much money you make, or even how often you take a bath. If you just listen to what I have to say, like a growing army of guys have already, you'll be in uh, you'll be spreading excuse me, this again, this is not quite the final draft of the script, so there's a few typos. You'll be spreading feminine thighs on command for the next five years or more. Why? Because the feminist nightmare has finally come true, and it's incredible, fantastic, amazing news for anybody with a dick and the desire to use it. Now, that whole run right there, um, the idea of the feminist nightmare coming true and that being a good thing. I talk in my escape hatch course and some other stuff I've done about the idea of a theme line or a log line or just like this core thing that we build the rest of our sales video off of. For Language of Desire, it was the talk dirty to me, he said, on our one-year anniversary line. As soon as that line popped into my head, I knew what the script was about. I knew the anxiety the script was going to be pushing, and I knew exactly what I was going to write. For this one, it was really, this is the easiest time in human history for a regular average guy to get laid, so why aren't you? right? Because I've been reading a lot, um, doing research and things like that, about the idea of the death of men, about the idea of grass eaters, these guys in Japan who have basically given up on the idea of having a girlfriend, of ever having kids, of ever, you know, really growing up in some way. I've been reading about how fewer and fewer men are going to college and more and more women are. You know, I've often said that if I'm ever going to have kids, I want to have a daughter at this point because it seems like there's more opportunity for them. A lot of guys aren't getting jobs. Guys are going to jail more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think one thing that I really try to do in all my letters is tap into a universal 
theme of what's kind of going on in our culture as we're doing things. If you read the Salvation Diet letter, then you would see that it's all about kind of the war on Christians as they see it, you know, as folks who are in that uh, potential market for us kind of see it. For this one, it's, you know, when you look at things like, um, God, what is that group from last year, the video game thing? I forget exactly what it was called, but it was a bunch of guys complaining about more feminine-oriented video games and more family-oriented and casual video games coming out. And uh, Gamergate, I believe it was called, last year. I kind of noticed that the guys who are complaining the most, they kind of want to feel like victims. And you'll say that again and again in pretty much any niche. The people who you're going to be selling to want to feel like victims. They want to feel like there's somebody against them. They want to feel like in some way they're being victimized, you know, taken advantage of in some way. And this is a way of kind of subverting that and turning it around. And, you know, there's all these guys who are saying like, hey, it's impossible for regular guys like me to get laid. So I decided to just say the absolute opposite and say, listen, it's actually really easy for regular guys just like you to get laid right now because there aren't that many great guys out there. A lot of articles I read, a lot of scientific journals I read, we're talking about pickup culture, not pickup culture, hookup culture, excuse me, and things of that nature and how hookup culture has kind of put the power in dating into the hands and laps of men as opposed to women. It used to be that women were really in the driver's seat. Women could kind of say, hey, well, you know, this is how far things are going to go. You have to buy me flowers. We have to go out on dinner dates, things like that. And because there's so few quality guys out there these days, it's kind of flipped around, especially on college campuses. There's this whole idea of instead of dating, you just kind of hook up with people. And that's extending into the rest of our culture as well. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of something I heard from somebody who was a, um, a young woman in the 60s during the uh, hippie revolution. And she was saying how it was kind of rude back then to say no to a guy. You know, I mean, you still said no sometimes, but in the free love world, it was like, well, you know, it's kind of, there's some social pressure there. Anyway, let's continue on with the actual copy. In fact, if you're a guy between 20 and 73 and you aren't sleeping with at least three different women a week, you're not just letting yourself down, you're disappointing every one of your male ancestors for thousands of years who would kill to have the sexual opportunity you've just had dropped in your lap. Who am I to make such a huge promise and such crazy claims? And why is the feminist nightmare going to lead to you getting laid on autopilot? Now, those are both questions that I put in a lot of my scripts because they're the natural questions that will come up in the minds of the viewer at that moment in the script. Now, oftentimes when I'm doing a big benefit open, which is really what this one is, it's big benefit, also some confusion kind of stuff, curiosity and confusion. Um, I'll often just go to these kind of questions like this right away. You know, who the hell are you? Why are you making these claims? Why is this thing important? You know, it's very difficult to pack as much stuff as you need to into the first minute or two of a VSL script these days. You know, you have to kind of get the hook into your market's mind. Okay, here's why you should stick around. Here's what's important for you to listen to. Here's what's coming up. Here's why this is, you know, all these promises. And also like, you know, get in all the kind of standard stuff that needs to be in there about, you know, why you need to keep watching and what's coming up next and why this is important. And there's a lot of balancing and weaving that I do. You'll see that when we get into the story section of this particular letter. So then we go into, like I said, my name is Lawrence Lanoff. There's Lawrence right there. Lovely man. Love that guy. I'm 50 years old, skinny bald, and I've got a completely average cock. He is 50 and is the best guy with women I have ever seen. I've thought of myself as being pretty decent with women uh, back when I was single, and I've seen some guys who call themselves seduction artists and all sorts of crazy stuff like that, but as far as being a guy who can actually get the job done um, and walk up to pretty much any attractive woman and have her very interested in seconds, Lawrence is the absolute best. 
Anyway, he says, I'm 50 years old, skinny, bald, and I've got a completely average cock. And in order to tell you how you're going to open the door to abundant, incredible sex with a ton of eager women, I have to tell you about the most humiliating moment of my entire life and how the feminists winning the battle of the sexes is the best damn thing to happen to your cock since you first learned to masturbate. Now, you'll notice there's an up and a down that goes on here, right? Up and down. It says, like I said, my name is Lawrence Lanoff. I'm 50 years old, skinny, bald, and I've got a completely average cock. There's no good words for penis to use in a sales video. Cock just feels weird. Penis feels awful. Dick is just limp in a way. Anyway, he goes from, I'm 50 years old, so he's old. You know, he does, he's a good looking guy. He's not um, overweight or anything like that, but he's normal. In order to tell you how you're going to open the door to abundant, incredible sex with a ton of eager women, so there's a big up there, a big benefit up, I have to tell you about the most humiliating moment of my entire life. And there's a down. Uh, abundant women, humiliation, right? I'm a big fan of doing that. I'm a big fan of doing the push-pull on people's emotions as we go. You bring them to a high peak, you give them a big promise, and then you say, okay, here's a really negative thing. Uh, if you've seen any speeches I've given, you know I'm a big fan of punch-in-the-gut storytelling, and I'm going to punch you in the gut hard if you're a guy in just a second. And then, of course, we come back to our overriding theme, how the feminists winning the battle of the sexes is the best damn thing to happen to your cock since you first learned to masturbate. Really, the theme of this whole letter is the feminists won, and they lost by winning, in a way. You know, we really try hard to not be horrifyingly misogynistic in our stuff. Uh, a lot of guys do go the horrifyingly misogynistic route in their letters, and it can work because the people they're going to buy are often folks who consciously or unconsciously don't like women or feel like women owe them something or feel like, you know, you'll notice in the story, it's really aimed at guys who think of themselves as the nice guy. Something I kind of realized, especially when I thought back to my younger years when I was not good with women and had a lot of anger, um, is that a lot of guys feel like, hey, I'm a nice guy. Why not women want me? So anyway, it goes warning. If you've ever been rejected by a girl, what I'm about to tell you may trigger feelings of embarrassment and rage in you. But whatever you do, it's incredibly important you don't stop watching until you hear the whole story. And again, I'm not saying you must watch till the end of this video to do this. I'm really just trying to get them to go to the next slide. And maybe that's the big difference between something that I would do in a script like this and what some other folks do uh, with the templates they're following, some courses they've gone through, etc. You know, they'll say, you must watch through the end of this video because at the end of the video, I'm going to teach you this. Or I'm not trying to get you to the end of the video. I'm just trying to get you to the next slide. I forget exactly where I learned it, but it might have been a Dan Kennedy thing or something else. But, you know, he talks about how the goal of your headline is not to sell your product. The goal of your first line is not to sell your product, et cetera. Your headline is meant to get you into the lead of the promotion. The lead of the promotion is meant to get you into the body of the promotion. The body is meant to get you to the offer. The offer is then meant to get you to start actually selling. But you're really just trying to get somebody to that next step and that next second. And any given moment, somebody can just decide to leave the video if they're not interested, if they're not feeling like you are giving them what you promised them or what they, you promised them is coming up very, very quickly. So that's what we're doing here, you know. I'm trying to get them just to stick around long enough to hear a little bit of the story because I know if they hear a little bit of the story, they're going to stick around. Um, it's a pretty interesting story. Now, one thing here, this next slide, it says, get away from me, you creep. She screamed in disgust. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me feel weird. I'm a guy. Um, I mean, I wrote it. We are going to do a version of the video. We'll be split testing this, and I'll be telling you which one won when we do um, the actual launch on June 14th, 2015. Um, when we did the Language of Desire, we had one version that opened with a benefit open, um, and then we had a version that we just, you know, Megan Darling, who works closely with me and has for the last six years almost, my God, um, said, hey, and actually my wife Ashley did the same thing. They both read the script, and they said to me, hey, um, 
you know, it gets really interesting when you get to the story. So why don't you just start with the story? And there's a similar kind of thing here. This line, get away from me, you creep, is something Megan came up with um, when I was saying, man, you know, I wrote this intro and I kind of know what the letter's about when I want to hit theme-wise, but I'm not really sure where to go with it. And she said, well, we really need something that is the emotional equivalent to the um, talk dirty to me line. And it can't just be talk dirty to me, she said, because this is for guys, you know, you're writing to a totally different set of expectations and desires for guys than you are for women. I always say a digital romance, we're selling, um, we're teaching women how to find love and men how to get laid. And yes, men want to learn how to want to fall in love too, but they don't sit around thinking to themselves, hey, I really wish someone would teach me how to make a woman fall in love with me or how to do that kind of thing. But anyway, Megan came up with this line, and all of a sudden, everything fell into place for me. And after we wrote the full version of the script that has this uh, first 30 slides of intro, we also decided, hey, we're going to do a version that just starts right with the story. This starts with, get away from you, creep. She screams in disgust. And we'll have a good headline up at the top. We'll have some supporting copy on the page, and we'll be testing that. And Language Desire, I think we saw about a 20% bump in conversions uh, increase when we just went right with the story. I have no idea if that's going to work here, by the way. Um, People ask me all the time, well, what works the best? And I'm like, it really depends entirely on what you're doing. What is the script you're doing? What is the market? What are they used to seeing? If they're used to seeing things one way and you go the opposite way, you might actually see a huge increase in conversions because you're not just doing the exact same freaking thing everybody is. But let's dig into the story and I'll talk about why it's written the way it is. Get away from me, you creep, she screamed in disgust. Suddenly I felt my testicles crawl back into my body and a flood of nausea and panic pulse through me as every head in Trader Joe's whipped in our direction. She was hot, gorgeous actually, a 28-year-old brunette in tight yoga pants with the most beautiful pair of gravity-defying all-natural D-cup tits I've ever seen. I'd ever seen. Um, the tight yoga pants thing, I think I probably came up with that because I do a lot of yoga and see a lot of girls in tight yoga pants. Um, but we're just trying to get Specific, but not too specific in this case. I could have gotten into a lot more detail about who this girl was, but similar to the language of desire letter, it's not really about her. Because it's guys and guys are so visual, I needed to focus on an image, you know, brunette, tight yoga pants, 28 years old. So young, but not a kid, you know, not 23 or something like that. Um, because most of our market is not guys in their 20s, it's a little bit older. Um, but I also want guys to be able to kind of paint a picture onto this character of who they lust after, who they desire. You know, we're not just going to use the exact same woman for every guy. Guys are very varied in what they find attractive. So I wanted to be able to give them a canvas they can paint on, much like we did with Felicity Keith's uh, boyfriend in the Language of Desire letter. You'll notice in that one, there's not much detail on Kevin. Um, you know, we, he's kind of a cipher for a reason. And that's largely because women... Who the guy is isn't really that important. It's all about how he acts towards her. In this case, who the girl is as a person really isn't that important. It's just that she's hot, attractive, that other people find her attractive too. Moving on. Five minutes ago, I'd seen her giving the broccoli a hard-on in the vegetable department. Funny line. Um, a long time ago, one of my early copywriting teachers was telling me that humor doesn't sell. And he was saying, um, you know, the idea of uh, copywriters in direct response, we often sit around and make fun of guys who work at uh, major advertising agencies because they're so focused on being funny, on having those funny Super Bowl ads. And I agree, you know, direct response is all about get the damn sale, get that dollar and that credit card out of your pocket and into mine, as it were. And I think it used to be true that you really, you know, humor is something you, you can't make somebody laugh their way into buying. But in my experience, the more outlandish and funnier and different 
I am in the letters I write, the more successful they are. Saying something like giving the broccoli a heart on, it just makes people smile for a second. It makes them like the character who's telling the story. It makes them think, hey, he's kind of clever in some way. It's something I want to stick around and watch a little bit longer. It all goes back to that idea of I'm just trying to get you to watch for another second and then another second, and then another second, all the way on through the entire thing. Uh, humans are hardwired to love stories. I've talked about how I can capture his heart, and we really made a good story about it. It quadrupled conversions, similar kinds of things here. I find that weaving a little bit of humor in, you know, it goes back to that up-down thing. You know, we start off with get away, away from me, you creep. That's a pretty down kind of thing. You know, it's really negative. It's meant to make guys who are watching this feel some pretty negative emotions really pretty quickly. And then we're weaving in this humor thing to kind of cause a tsunami of emotions in someone. I don't want them just feeling sad the entire time. If you're just feeling sad, you'll probably leave. I don't want them just feeling funny the entire time. If they're just feeling funny, they won't feel the emotions I need them to feel to buy the product. She smiled at me in a way that sent an electric tingle right to my crotch, licked her lips, tossed her hair. And when she walked away, I caught the scent of her and felt something hungry rise up in me as I imagined her naked and writhing and moaning my name. Imagine and feel are too much. My favorite words to use in copy in general. And again, we're just kind of trying to paint a picture here. She walked away. I caught the scent of her. So we're bringing in additional emotions and felt something hungry rise up in me. So there's scent and then there's hunger. There's like this idea of taste in a way. As I imagined her naked and writhing. So we're going back to visual and then moaning. That's audible. That's oral right there. Right? So we're bringing in as many emotions as we can in this. Yes, men are very visual creatures, but if you can paint a picture that includes all of the senses, folks love it and they stick around. For five agonizing minutes, so we're bringing pain. Also, I'm using kind of a trope here, agonizing minutes. I waited an agonizing amount of time, but I'm also using an emotion word, agonizing, that usually applies to physical or emotional pain and applying it to just waiting around, right? So for five agonizing minutes, I dug through every line, every open, every way of approaching a girl this hot I'd ever heard. So he's digging through his mind, looking over pickup lines that he may have learned. Because we know a lot of the guys who would buy this product or would watch this video are going to come from affiliates who, um, you know, they've been pitching a lot of stuff that is pickup oriented or things like that, that has lines, stuff like that. I'm not saying that stuff is awful. I'm just saying that we want to set ourselves apart from that. We don't just want to say... I'm going to give you a bunch of lines, even though this is about um, language, you know, the language of lust, as it were. There's also a little bit of that confusion stuff there. If they see this is called the language of lust or whatever else, and then it goes into, we're not going to teach you lines. Well, what are you going to teach me then? Congrats, we give them a bunch of stuff later. But I knew the clock was ticking. It always is. I knew I had to talk to her before she left the store, and it was too late, or I'd regret it for the rest of my sexual life. And then we're going, she was in the bread aisle when I found her again. You'll notice when I tell stories in general, there's a lot of jumping around. Um, I, I don't say I had, to, I had to talk to her before she left the store and it was too late. I regret it for the rest of my sexual life. And then I could say I frantically walked up and down the aisles. I went to the vegetable, back to the vegetable aisle, but didn't see her. I went over to the cereal aisle and then didn't see her. But then I turned to a corner and then I found her and she was in the bread aisle. I just skip all of that and just go, she was in the bread aisle when I found her again. Folks will fill in the blanks. You know, there's a great scene in, um, what's a great movie, Inception. Leo DiCaprio and Ellen Page, I think her name is, are sitting there and he's saying they're at a cafe and he basically says, hey, do you remember how we got to this cafe? And she has a bit of a panic moment where she's kind of like, um, no, I really don't. Because in filmmaking all the time, they just 
drop you into a scene. There's a thing in filmmaking uh, screenwriting books where they talk about get into the scene late and leave early. I am a big fan of doing that. Then we go over to bent over at the waist so I can get lost in her ass and thighs and delicious toned calves. That's just me giving details. Again, I'm letting the guys who are reading and uh, watching the video kind of fill in the blanks themselves. What is a delicious toned calf to them? What version of that are they going to think of themselves? And with women, you know, you do want to get them turned on when you're writing copy, but you also want to get them emotionally panting, essentially. Same thing with guys. And again, guys are very visual. Um, <laughs> I know for a fact when I'm writing stuff and I get excited about it, then I'm writing good copy. And there have been times I've been a little um, like, hey, this is working for me. Her hands were caressing a loaf of gluten-free BS whatever in a way that made my heart pound and my mouth go dry. Caressing. Good word. And again, it's just one of those words that triggers a feeling in someone's mind. By the way, um, one of my students from the Escape Hatch posted his script, uh, idiotically, I think. He posted his VSL up on um, some lame copywriting group on Facebook. And these groups are usually full of folks who... Um, we've all been there. We've all been new, but they're folks who haven't really accomplished anything with their copy. They're folks who haven't sold anything. I mean, I've sold nine figures, I think several hundred million dollars worth of stuff with copy that I've written both for myself and for clients over the years. I know this stuff reasonably well. And it's always funny to me when you see folks who have never had a successful sales video or a letter who are saying, well, you got to change this. You got to change this. You got to do it this way. And this one guy was saying, well, you know, really the only letter words that should be read in your script are the ones that are creating a hypnotic message about how, you know, you must buy now, blah, blah, blah. And I know it's a friend of mine actually who teaches that kind of stuff. It's bullshit. Like, dude, you want to go split test it, go split test, whether having, um, you must buy now in red, you know, one, one word on each slide actually increases your conversions or not. It doesn't, it doesn't do shit. Personally, when I'm, uh, picking out which words I'm going to make red, it's mostly for visual interest. And it's usually the most emotional word on the page is just what I'm trying to find. You know, same thing when I'm outlining, underlining, uh, bolding, et cetera. It takes a long time. It's a pain in the ass to make just one word on a page red, but it does really make it pop a lot more than if it's just a plain black text. So anyway, just a pet peeve of mine, that whole idea of copy magic, where if you have this magical thing where you make this red, every letter, uh, every, every page is going to work. It doesn't. It's bullshit. There's no, there's no shortcuts, guys. There's no magic kind of thing like that. Anyway, I took a deep breath. I took a deep breath. I gathered my confidence, walked up to her smiling and friendly, and with no hint at all at the pornography she'd inspired in my mind. I like that line. Suddenly, her eyes flashed to mine like deer in the woods. She parted her wet lips. I didn't want to say deer in the headlights because that's fear. And very specifically, I didn't quite want to bring up fear yet. You know, this approach that he's doing here should feel like, hey, his version of it is I'm smiling and I'm friendly and this is going to go well, but I want her reaction to be able to be readable in various ways. She parted her wet lips. He's still in fantasy land. I watched her incredible breasts rise and fall like waves I wanted to surf on as she took a long, deep breath of her own. I felt electricity and fire and anticipation for the sweaty, passionate, connected night I knew we were going to share together. Connected is there because... Even though they don't talk about it much, guys do want connection. They want to find somebody special. They want to fall for a girl. And that's when she screamed and destroyed my world. I could only appreciate the incredible favor she'd done for me months later. So screamed, bad thing. We're back to the beginning of the story and maybe the beginning of the letter, depending on what tests out better. And then, of course, this favor thing. We're going up and down. We're going down and then up in this case. We're going screamed and destroyed my world. I can only appreciate the incredible favor she'd done for me months later. 
And that's my version of you must keep watching to learn more. I'm opening a loop, as they would say at hypnosis circles. I'm not a big fan of that particular language, but people understand it. I'm opening a loop so that they can uh, say, hey, well, I need to know what this favor is later. And I'll just drop those things in. My neck spasmed. My jaw went tight like a bear trap. Big fan of that metaphorical stuff there. Whenever you're trying to say, uh, you'll see a lot of this stuff. I'll say bear trap or I'll say, I don't even know what else I use, but there's a lot of stuff like a using metaphorical language. Um, I was just going to tell her how beautiful she looked how it was women like her who made me so happy to be a man, so happy to be alive, when I said, get the hell away from me, she screamed even louder this time, like a heavy metal guitar solo blasting in my ear. So there you go, more metaphorical kind of stuff. Um, Everyone's heard a heavy metal guitar solo, so it saves time if you use that kind of language. They know what that would feel like in their ear. I stumbled back confused, away from the scent of her clouding my mind. Every guy has known what it's like to be intoxicated by the scent of a woman. Hey, there's a movie. hoo And that's when I noticed the pack of scantily clad sorority girls staring at me like I was some kind of monster. I think originally I had a mom and her kids there, and then I think it was Lawrence who suggested, hey, could we be sorority girls instead? And man, it's so much more embarrassing for a guy to be... Uh, and, you know, have this happen in front of young women, young, attractive women who think the whole world's theirs. Then he goes on to, I noticed the steroid, steroided up muscle head and the shredded tank top. F- this is not a shredded tank top and I'm not a muscle head. So there you go. I've actually shrunk lately. Uh, flexing his pecs like he couldn't wait to prove his masculinity and kick my ass. That's just me bringing in some of the stuff around the idea of the 98 pound weakling who gets his uh, sand kicked in his face. You know, there's all those old Charles Atlas ads. I wanted to have a little bit of that here as well. Then we go to the fat security guard fingering his radio like it was Dirty Harry's revolver and reporting an assault from who knows who to hear. And then I almost cried as I felt the handcuffs snap closed around my wrists. Strong hands dragged me by the arm like some 12-year-old boy caught throwing rocks at recess. I had hours to kill before things got sorted out. So that section there, you know, we go from the hot chick screaming to the sorority girls to the muscled-up guy who's like the guy who all of the guys who are going to buy this product hate because he's the one who's like, I got to protect women and also the guy who they think is getting laid a lot. Then we get this fat security guard who is kind of the guy who lacks power but has been given power in this situation he's still not going to be good with women but hey he's got power over you in this situation he's got power to make you feel bad and then strong hands drag me by the arm like some 12 year old boy caught throwing rocks at recess again we're doing the like some the metaphorical stuff but i want to bring him back to that idea of being a 12 year old boy caught throwing rocks at recess one thing i'll do sometimes with friends of mine is i'll grab him by the arm and i'll say wait till i get you home and to a T, every single one of them kind of like goes, ah, mom, what? I didn't do anything. Because we've all had that experience, right? We've all had that experience. And every guy's had the experience of liking a girl and doing something harsh to her when you're a kid because that's how you get attention. You know, you hear, see little boys hitting little girls all the time. If you bring that kind of stuff in, that universal experience. Um, one thing I'm a big fan of is the more specific you are in your stories, oftentimes the more universal they actually are. You know, telling a story that has a lot of details to it like this. Most guys have never been through a situation where they've been dragged off in handcuffs after they tried to hit on a girl at a supermarket, but they have had experiences where they felt shame. And that's what this whole letter is about, is shame. This whole section, this whole story is about that feeling of shame and the anger about it and that idea of being like, man, I'm a nice guy. I'm a good guy. I just wanted to go and talk to her. I thought she was beautiful. I just wanted to say that. But fucking our society tells me that I can't do that. And this is a story that gives presence to that. 
you know, the fat cop is basically society saying, you are disgusting. You are meant to be ashamed. You cannot do this. What you feel towards women is not allowed, right? You are bad. Your penis makes you a bad boy, right? Essentially is where we're going with this. Then it goes, I had hours to kill before things got sorted out. I don't spend a lot of time saying, and then they dragged me off somewhere and I sat there in handcuffs for a while and the police may or may not have gotten involved, but it turns out there was really nothing illegal that happened. So there was no real thing, no real problem. So they eventually let me go. I don't need to cover all that. You can just say I had hours to kill before things got sorted out, quote unquote, hours to think, to torture myself for being so stupid as to walk up to a pretty girl in public in emasculated America to feel ashamed. So I'm taking all those emotions that I put into that story beforehand. And I'm letting Lawrence as a character here, give voice to them. And I'm putting him in a place where he has nothing to do, but think where he can torture himself, where all of this leads to his crisis point. I'm a big fan of crisis points. I'm a big fan of the idea of having this one moment, you know, in screenwriting, they talk about there's the, um, like the end of act one is usually when the hero will decide to go off on his journey so he can actually, you know, uh, save the day. It's a similar kind of thing here. And the crisis point is like, man, I, I got to make a choice here. I got to do something. And um, you'll see what comes up here. To feel ashamed, to make a decision that would change everything, not just for me, but for thousands of guys around the world just like you. Um, you'll notice here, I had a friend uh, who's a pretty good copywriter say once to me, oh man, like, you know, you can't say the word I or me in your copy. Uh, you know, you orientation is everything. I'm a big fan of you orientation. I'm a big fan of saying you will get this, you, 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 you. And I tell my students the same thing. But personal stories are much more effective. You know, I always say personal stories are much more effective than pacing. Um, pacing is when you're saying like, Have you, has this ever happened to you? You walk up to a girl and she looks at you like you're covered in garbage. It doesn't work as well as telling a personal story of having a confession of some kind. And there's something very powerful, especially about having a guy who is in a position of power, who puts himself out there as an expert, confessing when he was weak. You know, we were all like that once. The worst thing you can do as an expert is put yourself up there and as this shining, you know, beacon of power. And it's always been that way. Even Tony Robbins goes up there and talks about the worst moments of his life. Um, I was so angry. Not at her. And that's important. <laughs> we don't want these guys to be focused on hating women in our stuff. I mean, just from a moral standpoint, we don't want to do that. I also think it's not the way to go. The guys who we're selling to, yeah, a lot of them do um, have misogynistic tendencies. Sure. And our goal is to help them move past that and move past the anger that is causing that. But also there's a lot of guys out there. They, again, they really feel like I'm a nice guy. Why don't women like me? I'm a nice guy. Why don't women like me? You're telling me this is the best time in the world for guys to get laid, but I'm not getting laid. Why? What can we do? What can I do about it? So not at her, not even at our PC society that treats men like dogs just for being guys, but at myself, internalizing the anger, putting it on himself. There I was a full grown man. There I was a full grown guy who loves women. I actually tortured myself over this one. Should it be there? I was a full grown man who loves women, but I like guy. It's a little more casual. Um, I think these days, particularly, I think that's probably because Men don't think of themselves as men anymore, right? We think of ourselves as guys. Women don't think of men as men anymore. We think of them as guys, right? At least a guy. Um, yeah, I'm assuming that's why it's there. So maybe it's my subconscious. Who was raised, you know, a guy who loves women, who was raised by women, and who was taught to always respect women. So I'm kind of tapping into an archetype that we see a lot with guys these days. The guys who are um, respectful to a fault. You know, there's a story I tell sometimes about a friend of mine who was, 
um, messing around with a guy who's another person I know and was, you know, he basically said, is it okay if I touch your breast? And she lost her lady heart on in just a second. And you see all this stuff these days where people are saying you have to get super duper explicit consent for every single thing. You have to treat sex and emotions and love like a science experiment in some way. And I understand where that's coming from because you look at rape on college campuses and stuff like that. And it's awful, but it's also like, man, this isn't how humans work (laughs) evolutionarily. But again, who was raised by a woman who was taught to always respect women. So he's not going the fucking bitches route. I don't like going that route. And it's also not coherent with um, or congruent with what who Lawrence is. Who would rather kill myself than ever hurt a woman. And in three terrible seconds, the girl in the yoga pants made me feel like a rapist. Man, that line was hard for me to put down on the page because the R word is a very, very powerful word. I mean, I fully agree that rape jokes are never funny. And this is certainly not a rape joke. And it's about the way he feels in that moment. Um, because, again, this is about the viewer or the, the reader of the letter and how they are going to put themselves into this character. What can they find in their own lives that feels similar? And a lot of guys have felt like a creep, you know? I have several experiences in my own past when I was younger where, um, you know, I'm just like, hey, I just want to talk to this girl. I think she's really pretty. She seems really cool. And you don't even you don't think you're doing anything wrong. I mean, maybe you're not even not doing anything wrong and suddenly everything twists and it feels awful. I've had an experience before where I felt really repulsed by a woman I was in love with, actually. I'm not going to go into details, but that's kind of where some of this came from. Um, when they released me, no charges after they saw the security tape, I went home and stared at myself in the mirror and I saw what I always saw, a nice guy. kind of wish I'd underlined that. A good guy. So why did she look at me that way? I'm a nice guy. I'm a good guy. Why did she make it look at me that way? Also, look at the, when you go back to the line about the yoga pants bit, three terrible seconds, you know, made me feel victim language. You know, we hear this all the time, uh, especially, you know, largely from women and from men. Uh, He made me feel this way. How could he do this to me? How could she do this to me, et cetera? She made him feel that way. Now, we're not going to make her the villain of the story because she's not. But we're still externalizing blame in some way before he goes back and takes it on himself. When they released me, no charges after they saw the security table at home, and I saw what I always saw, a nice guy, a good guy. So why did she look at me that way? Why did she smile at me if she wasn't flirting with me? Right? Now, again, sometimes I was watching some, I was watching Louis C.K.'s show last night, and there was a bit where he was, like, staring at one of the teachers of his kids, and there's, like, some music playing, and she looks up, and she's got a smile on her face, and she walks towards him, and he thinks it's going to be like, oh, you're going to say hi, and we're going to date, and this is going to be wonderful, and he imagines a whole life with her, and then she's just, like, giving the fake smile so she can close the door, and a lot of guys can't interpret a fake smile from a real smile. A lot of guys can't interpret when a woman is just being polite, and why did she scream when I just wanted to say hello? He's the victim here. Why was it so wrong for me to want to talk to her, to want to make love to her? Why did I suddenly feel so disgusting? Laying in bed that night, I spent hours not sleeping, rubbing my wrists where the handcuffs had dug into them, tasting bile in my throat when I thought about what had happened, not just to me, but to women, to men everywhere. So again, we're universalizing this at this point. We're taking a very specific story that Lawrence has, and then we're making it into this thing. I thought about the never-ending torrent of news stories about creepy guys who dared to look at a woman with lust. This is kind of bringing up all that stuff you see with like the woman walking through New York City um, and showing how guys are ogling her the entire time. True, actually. And some of those guys are total creeps. But there's also a lot of guys who are like, I feel things when I see your body like that. And I want it, but I like you and you're cool. And yes, I'm objectifying you. But is that a bad thing? Why is that a bad thing? And all the confusion that guys have these days about what the fuck is a man supposed to be? 
And we get into militant feminists celebrating the death of men, how more and more guys are flunking out of college, how all the powerful jobs are going to women, how having a dick is becoming a societal handicap. So we're making this whole idea of, I don't quite want to go to like the men's rights world because I think that's pretty hilarious because men have a lot of rights. But there is this kind of theme of this thing happening in the world, especially in the Western world where men are losing power and especially guys who are trying to go along with it are like just confused about what should you do? Who are you? I thought about guys in Japan and around the world giving up, deciding they'd rather be celibate for life than become the emasculated lapdogs the world is trying to turn them into. And then I thought of all the women I knew. And here's the turn. Here's where this letter is different than what would be a truly misogynistic letter is that we're not just making this about oh, those bitches, and here's how to use magical techniques where you can force these bitches to want to fuck you and blah, blah, blah. Because we're making it about women as well. Um, I talk about this when I teach copy stuff sometimes about the idea of making, buying your product into a noble act. You know, It's the idea of, hey, you know what? You're going to do this. You're going to buy this internet marketing product. You're going to get rich, but you're also going to be able to support, you know, really provide for your family. I mean, I don't want to scare the shit out of you, but right now, um, the middle class in America is, you ever see a cartoon where there's like, uh, um, the grand Canyon or a crevasse opening underneath the feet of a character. And it's like, Hey, it's going one way and going the other way. And you got to make a choice really quick, which way you're going to go Well, on one side of that is the lower class, the poor people on the other side is the rich people right now you can go. And if you try to stay in the middle class, you're just going to fall to your death because it's disappearing. And if you're a parent, if you're somebody who cares about people, blah, 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 you have to actually make the choice, right? So this is at the point where he's going from being just about his own victimhood to going into, hey, I care about women too. Women who are lonely and horny and scared. (laughs) That's a good triad. Lonely and horny and scared. Uh, Horny is in the middle on purpose there, by the way. Women who wake up every morning wondering why they can't find real men anymore, who settle for metrosexual shadows of masculinity, unless real guys get treated like dogs. Right. And this is true. A lot of women do wonder where the hell the real men are. I get emails like that. Michael Fury gets emails like that all the time. Laying there, I realize something shocking and terrible and wonderful, too. That slide is really just there to juice up the idea of, hey, you got to keep reading. Something cool is about to happen. I realized the feminist nightmare had come true, that men and women had been brainwashed into sexual misery. And I knew I was at a crossroads when it came to me and women and sex. So this here, this is his crisis point. This is a moment of his decision time. This is where he kind of makes a decision whether he can just kind of fall apart and let this destroy him or if he's going to go forward and create the product that will change the lives of himself and so many other people. I knew when I got out of bed in the morning, I could do one of three things that would change how women looked at me and treated me forever. One, I could blame her. I could call her a crazy bitch. I could become one of those guys who uses rejection as an excuse to become a woman hater and an asshole who harasses girls online just to feel okay. I could see the rising power of women as a curse. I could bitch and moan and become the monster I was already being treated like. Two, I could blame myself. I could learn to hate myself for being born with a cock. I could become one of those sensitive guys who think respecting women means treating women like they hate sex, who thinks his totally natural masculine urges are disgusting and wrong, who lines up to be emasculated, hoping to be lucky enough to get a blowjob once every couple of years. Three, or I could see the feminist nightmare as the incredible opportunity it is. Now, this is a total straw man kind of thing. The first two options here kind of suck, but they're also designed to be kind of categories that a lot of men find themselves falling into these days. A lot of the guys who we sell to fall into the category of misogynistic asshole or doormat, essentially. They're either the guys who try to be nice and they don't get laid, or they're total dicks to women. And maybe they do get laid, but they're dicks. So there you go. 
So I could open my eyes to the terrible lie you, me, and every woman in the world have been tricked into believing. I could choose to learn the truth about women and sex, what women really want from men but refuse to tell us why they say one thing but mean another, why nice guys like me got rejected and abused again and again while douchebags get laid as easily as going to the ATM. And again, nobody thinks of themselves as a villain or a douchebag. So even though the guys who are watching this might be douchebaggy in some ways, nobody thinks of themselves that way. You know, Dr. Doom doesn't think of himself as a villain. He's the hero. He's the king of Latveria, Varia, or whatever it is. He's there to save the day. Uh, Same thing with, you know, Magneto or any other villain that you see in comic books. The great villains always think they're the hero. I know this sounds wrong, but I could choose to get revenge. (laughs) That line was controversial inside our company. Um, And, you know, when I first wrote, wrote the first version of this, the revenge that he gets felt... A little too evil for me, so we ended up tuning it. No, we'll get into that later. Not on her, but on the world that had transformed desire and sex into something dirty and shameful. Right? So again, we're not making women the bad guy here. We're making the society that has ruined the natural you know, energy and ecstasy between men and women the bad guy. The next day I woke up early, my heart pounding, recovering from a nightmare of a world without testosterone, my mission pulsing through my veins. I cracked open my laptop and got to work searching for the truth, but quickly I got frustrated and then angry. All over the internet I found books and articles and videos from sleazy pickup artist type guys saying they'd figured out how to trick drunk girls into screwing them. That probably comes from me seeing a video from some guys who were just showing me video of them tricking drunk girls into screwing them. Also, that guy said, I closed 150 girls last year, and my response was, so what, you sewed their vaginas shut when you were done with them? I don't quite understand. He didn't get it. And violent screeds by so-called feminists talking about so-called male privilege and the evils of the penis and how men, as we know them, were dying off, and that was a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So again, we're making both extremes the bad guy in this case. I didn't want to learn how to manipulate women, and I didn't want to learn to hate myself, to cut off my own balls and put them in some girl's purse, I didn't want to learn how to change myself into something I hated. I wanted to learn how to make women want me, to look at me the way I looked at them, to fantasize about me, to connect with me, to screw the living hell out of the real me, giggle when I slapped them on the ass, come back for seconds and bring their gorgeous friends and thank me for being a man. Only when that happened would I feel like I'd gotten my revenge on our messed up society, would I feel like I was a man again in a world where men are an endangered species, where men are treated like we're bad and wrong. The next few months were a rush of mind-bending revelations as everything I'd been tricked into believing about women and sex was shredded like a sacred cow and a wood chipper. There's a metaphor for you. Um, and again, this is all Lawrence going on his mission. You know, he's the hero of the story, and this is about how he could have gone one way. He could have given up, like maybe a lot of the guys who are watching have given up, but instead he decided to be inspired, and this is him building up the energy. I realized if I wanted to discover the truth about feminine lust, it would mean taking a long look at some of my oldest beliefs. The first idea I had to murder was a big one I'd been spoon-fed since I was a kid. The idea that women don't like sex, that a woman was doing you a favor when she slept with you. I saw one simple statistic that blew that one out of the water. So again, this is an idea that a lot of guys still have, and a lot of women still have, actually, that you know, sex is something that guys take from women. not a big fan of that. So the statistic, in 1963, the population of the world was 3,201,000, no, 3,201,000 million. 178,277. Today it's over 7 billion and it's headed for 10 billion by 2050. So ask yourself if women don't like sex, how the heck did the population of the world double in just 50 years? It's a very simple um, 
logical fallacy, honestly. I mean, they were basically saying, hey, the population doubled, so that must mean women like sex. Now, obviously, there could be other explanations. I don't like thinking about them, but it really is. You know, human beings like sex. That's why we have so many people on this world. Uh, why did Fifty Shades of Grey soak the panties of hundreds of millions of women around the world? Why is the vibrator industry a $15 billion business? True. Why is that every number one bestseller on the Amazon Kindle is another story about an innocent woman being taken and ravished by a strong man again and again and again? I'll tell you right now, the answer is pretty easy. It's because despite everything you've been told, women don't like sex. They love it. The truth is, most women walk around every day as horny as hell, fantasizing about sex even more than us guys do, waiting with bated breath for the right guy to come along and fulfill her dirty, delicious fantasies. That's both partly true and also what men want to be true. You know, um, (laughs) I always say, like, the male fantasy, you know, the woman's fantasy is the guy who, you ever watch porn? If if you watch porn that's made for women versus for men, it's a really fascinating thing. Uh, Porn for guys is pretty brutal in a lot of ways depending on what you know fantasy it is whatever else but it's all about the dick right it's all about this gigantic penis and as soon as a woman sees the gigantic penis he she becomes a ravenous slut plain and simple not realistic in any way i don't know any women who are that into dicks honestly um dicks really seem to be a thing that guys obsess about way more than women do what women really want like if you watch women porn for women they don't really show the penis that much they show a a man and they show uh, usually a powerful man who is overwhelmed with desire for her and only her, right? And there's totally different kind of things. Anyway, to open her to the connected erotic pleasure she only dreams her body is capable of, only to go home every night to snuggle up to her vibrating rabbit, wondering if she'll ever have a strong, respectful guy in her bed and in her, again, this is a little dirty. Um, by the way, um, this is the version of the letter where we actually took out the word pussy. We had the word pussy in here several times on a previous draft. And when I submitted it to ClickBank, one of the very few notes they gave me was, hey, Chris, you can't have the word pussy in there. I actually am really happy they said that because it made me go back and make the letter way better. Um, I always find the constrictors of that kind of thing freeing in a lot of ways. If the only way you can sell something is by saying fucking pussy and things like that in your sales video, I, I don't know what you're doing, honestly. Like it just kind of shows a lack of creativity to me. Okay, I know what you're thinking right now because I used to think it too. If women are really that horny, they are, why aren't you knee-deep in eager, thrusting female flesh every single night? And the answer is psychologically weird and very important, so I need you to listen closely. It's because no matter how dissatisfied a woman is with the devastating emasculation of men, no matter how much she desperately wants to be seduced, romanced, ravished, made love to, no matter how much she craves your strong hands on her, your teeth nibbling her throat, your weight on top of her, She can never, ever admit it to you or any other man. Why? I wonder why. Three confusing but powerful reasons. One, women are petrified of rejection even more than us guys are. In fact, since most women never make the first move, even one rejection could leave her catatonic and giving up on great sex for a week. Now, this is what I kind of call foundational material here. I'm basically building an argument that's going to lead to the reveal of the product eventually. And I'm, you'll notice that I'm weaving you know, this information that he's giving out and Lawrence as an expert with Lawrence as a student. You know, you're going to see some stuff where he kind of goes on a journey a little bit later. And it's all weaved in with his story. We're still kind of in the story section of the letter. I don't really believe in a story section because the story gets weaved in and out as we're going. It's brought up again. Those open loops that were put in earlier are still there. Um, women are petrified of rejection, blah, blah, blah. Then we go to two. Women have been taught that only sluts want sweaty, passionate, animalistic sex with men and admitting what every cell in her body yearns for could destroy her reputation and even ruin her life if it gets out on social media. Damn true, by the way. Uh, Slut shaming, especially of women, is a huge thing. You know, guys are studs if they do that. 
Fear of rejection and shame alone are enough to keep most women's legs sealed close, closed with emotional super glue. That's a climb. And to make hot girls very careful about how they choose the men they sexually surrender themselves to. Surrender is very powerful words there on purpose. Which brings us to the third reason, the most important of them all. Again, those little asides are just a way to get people further into the letter. To avoid rejection, to avoid being judged when it comes to sex and lust and connection and pure physical pleasure, women speak in a secret code most men are biologically incapable of understanding. A code where a certain tilt of the head means I want you to take me. And where whispering the right coded words instantly lets her know she can share her deep sexuality with you and spread her legs almost like magic with her smiling the whole time like it's her idea, because it is. And she's so glad you figured it out. The fact is, knowing this secret sexual language lets you tune in to a woman's broadcast sexuality and follow the signal back to carnal delights beyond even the most pornographic imagination. Now, I didn't discover this language of lust by accident. Now, where the fuck did that come from? Isn't that the name of the product that we're selling? Um, That's really on purpose. Like, this is actually a way to softly introduce the product because one thing you'll notice a lot and i do this a lot too in a lot of the letters we do is you know there's the all the story stuff and there's all the build-up and there's all this other stuff and then we get to the point where it's like and here's the product and you'll see in your vsl stats a huge drop off in people watching the letter at this point at that point when the when the product is revealed we wanted to get away from that um so i decided hey what if i just started weaving the product in a little bit what if i brought the concept of the product and that name in earlier so when they hear it later, it's not a trigger. It's not like, oh, there's a product now. They don't know what the language of lust is at this point. The language of lust just sounds like, you know, a concept the same as broadcast sexuality or, you know, anything else I say, the secret code, things like that. And it's just a way to kind of start seeding this idea so that by the time we get to the product reveal, they'll feel like, oh, the language of lust, that's a thing. That's part of the language that we use, the secret language that we use. It was the holy grail at the end of a personal mission that took me years to complete as I learned and tested and tried again and again with dozens and dozens of amazing girls. Oh, Lawrence, you poor man. All while watching more and more guys who didn't know this secret bathe in an endless stream of rejection and anger and shame. Accomplishing my mission was difficult and even painful. After weeks of digging, I found a romance novel millionaire on a forum, called her up and discovered the incredible primal ravishment fantasy secretly carried around by good girls all over the world. So this part here, we're, you know, we're going into the product creation myth. But I still haven't really mentioned there's a product. You know, we mentioned the name of the product. We kind of dropped that. But now we're just going right into the, you know, the primal myth of where the product comes from. Much like Thor has his primal myth, right? We want to make our product not just a book or, you know, a video or whatever else. We want it to be a thing that's legendary in its own way. So we start talking about all the stuff that he learned the stuff from. Instead of just saying, hey, I'm an expert. Here's all the stuff that he did to become an expert. Almost like Batman going off and, you know, uh, becoming a martial artist and learning how to be the world's greatest detective and all that other kind of stuff. I went to Las Vegas and interviewed a straight professional male prostitute. I was shocked at how out of shape and normal he was, but this fat little gigolo taught me the Fort Knox phrase that had women ripping open their purses and paying to have sex with him while so many other guys can't get away to save their lives. You'll see these little things like Fort Knox phrase and the primal ravishment thing, and those are uh, parts of the product, by the way. We're basically doing bullets as part of the story. It's a way to hide the bullets a little bit. So we're not just having that very formalized bullet section. We do have that later. 
I got five of my best female friends drunk and listened like my life depended on it as they went into exquisite detail about the many times they dropped the good girl act and gave a random dude the ride of his life while forcing the nice guys that they were dating to wait for weeks and weeks just to get half a hand job. True, by the way. I've been, um, I've been both of those guys before, both the guy who got the ride of his life and the guy who was forced to wait. I think one is better than the other. What shocked me even more was when they told me about the times they wanted to go home with a guy. And we're devastated when he didn't know the passion password. There's another bullet, which will let her finally drop the act, cut loose, and give in to her urgent sexual need. So, you know, it could just be, you'll also learn the passion password. We do that later, but it's just kind of there. It's that thing like, I want that. I kind of want that. What is that? Uh, Lauren said when he read this, he was like, I want the product. What is it? I'm like, you created it, buddy. Um, I interviewed psychology professors, sat in on a women's studies course, read Smut, written by women, learned linguistic triggers women refuse to ignore, and then with all of this sexual magic buzzing around in my brain, I sat down on my laptop and boiled everything I learned and discovered into 33 powerful tricks, techniques, and phrases which wake up the animal in a woman, make her feel safe and open with you, and only you, and fixes her sexual hunger on you right where it belongs. Sitting exhausted on my desk, I looked at what I created. It wasn't a book or a course, or anything like that. It was a survival guide for regular guys living, getting laid, and getting a girlfriend, if you want, in the devastated ruins of the sexual revolution. It was an owner's manual for a woman's most important erogenous zone, her mind and imagination. And I'm going to stop this video right here, and we'll come back with part two, uh, just because these things get long, and I need some water. 